Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It is 7.07 in the Twin Cities, 21 degrees. As May Murphy with you until 9 o'clock along with producer Jonathan Lowe. Uh, this half hour, we're going to talk about a subject that I've always kind of wondered about. Uh, you may have seen the images of the Westminster Dog Show, the premier dog show in the nation. And King, a wire fox terrier, won. And I've always sort of wondered, what is it like to be in this world of dog shows and show dogs and, and you know, breed winning dogs and all of that? And we have with us now Dawn Droll. She is the vice president for the American Brittany Club. And Dawn, you, you must be in the St. Paul area because you've got a St. Paul uh, phone number, but you are the vice president for the American Brittany Club. Is that just here in for Minnesota or just for the whole country? For the whole country. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Um, how yeah. did, now how, let me ask you, how did you become the vice president for the American Brittany and the Brittany's the, the Brittany Spaniel, right? Well, they took the Spaniel off in 1982 because they're a pointing breed, not a flushing breed. Oh. Spaniel- Flush birds when they hunt, and um, Brittany's point birds, like an English pointer or a setter. Um, I have I have a German short hair and a wire hair pointer, so I know exactly. That's really cool when they do yeah. the little pointing thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I've been involved in Brittany's for over twenty five years. I won the national specialty show in nineteen ninety three, um, and it's just a um, a favorite breed of mine. My husband and I were all breed professional handlers many many years ago. And um, we decided that this was the breed for us, and so that's what we decided to start raising. And so when we had our kids and our family, they're just a great family pet, as you well know, having a sporting dog. Um, and so that's what we stuck with. So after being in it for so many years, I, you know, I needed to give back to the breed. So I am now the show chairman for our national specialty um, show, which is in Arkansas in November, and, um, and that gets me into the vice presidency role. Awesome. Okay. So l- let me ask you this. So, so you said you were professional handlers. Does that mean that I have this fabulous dog that I'm convinced could win a big dog show, but I don't know how to run around the rink and handle myself, so I hire you to show my dog? Correct. Correct. So, okay. So and and how, how, does, how does one become a professional handler? Normally, um, you apprentice under somebody. So you apprentice under another professional handler, um, and you work your way up in the ranks. So you, you apprentice. Now, this this takes obviously a lot of time and a lot of, I would think, money and work. I, I mean, it, it sounds like it's sort of a, a world unto itself. Right. It, it really is. Um, you know, to be a professional handler, obviously, you work weekends because um, that's when the dog shows are. When we, when we handled, we would often be gone 45 weekends out of the year. 
You could easily be gone 50 weekends out of the year. And some of them are two-day shows, but most of them are um, four- to five-day weekends. Um, and so you no more than get home, and you turn around, you bathe all the dogs and pack up, and you're out again. So it's, it's a really consuming um, occupation, that's for sure. And um, in terms of, um, you know, I think some of us may have seen that, that movie. It's been out for like a number of years now, Best in Show. Is it is it kind of like that? It is. It really is. Um, <laughs> it's a great movie, Hamlers, folks, if you haven't seen it. Yes, yes. Although the Hamlers, you know, we would have anywhere from, you know, 15 to 20 dogs on our string. Um, and they did. They all had their favorite things to eat. Some might like chicken. Some might like liver better. Some might like this toy. Some might like that toy. And, and so it really is. There's a lot of um, a lot of similarities to the movie. Absolutely. All right. And, and let me ask you, uh, Don Droll, who's the vice president for the American Brittany Club. She's been a professional dog handler along with her husband as well. Is it – I mean, can you make a living being a professional dog handler? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So not only do you have the dogs, like if, like if you approach and said, hey, I have this beautiful short hair or wire hair at home, and I would love for it to be a champion. Well, we would take it and we would look at it and say, we might say, yeah, how about we find you a better one? And we might go out and look, you know, contact a breeder and say, here, we've got a really good one for you. Let's show this one instead. Or we may say, hey, yours is really great. Let's show it and get its championship on it. Well, that's kind of one level of doing this. But the other level of doing this is campaigning a dog to be in the top ten um, in in the country. So wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did you say campaigning a dog? Right. Exactly. So it's crazy. Like we'll get these magazines. These magazines, and they. My husband and I are also, are also licensed AKC judges now, so we don't handle anymore. But we'll get these magazines that go out free to the judges. Um, that'll be, you know, three 300 pages of advertisements um, with these dogs that are sponsored by, um, you know, Firestone or, um, you know, just these really big names. We showed a dog, um, a St. Bernard for the VP of um, Holidays Station Stores at one point. So, um, you know, you, you campaign these dogs, and that's a whole different level. It's just a whole different level of that's when you want to win in the groups, the different, the seven different groups. Right. You want to win placements in the groups and then go on to best in show and try and compete for best in show. Okay. So that's a whole different level than, so, than just getting your championship on a dog. Right. So, so, so you actually campaign, much like you, the, the producers of various Oscar-nominated movies campaign for their movies to get an Oscar nomination and ultimately to win an Oscar. With these dogs, we advertise them, we condition them, we, you know, they go on a jog a dog, or we bike with them, or they go in the water, um, we condition their coats. Um, sometimes we bathe them two or three times a week just to keep their coats in condition. Um, it's a it's a big job. Wow. Okay. And and uh, this is. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I set this up because this is just fascinating uh, to to me. Uh, in terms of. You know, somebody calling you up. I mean, do people really call you up and say, you know, Dawn, I know that you were a professional handler. You're an expert on Britney's, but you've also handled all these other dogs. I think my dog's really special. Can you come over and check it out and see if my dog has what it takes? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll do that for people. And again, like I said to you, you know, we'll either say, yep, this is a great one. It'll be great. Or we say, hey, let's find you a good one. And that's what ha- will happen with the handlers, too. They might have... um you know, a wealthy client that approaches them and says, hey, you know what, I love Irish setters. I want a really nice Irish setter or a really nice um, um, terrier of some sort of seaweed ham 
or a Westie um, or a wire fox like that won the garden. And, and, the, and the handler will say, I will find you one. And the handler will go to breeders and go to other maybe judges or, or other handlers and say, hey, my client is looking for a really good wire fox terrier. Do you know of any? And they will purchase one for their client, and then they will go on and campaign it. So, how, I mean, how much does this cost ultimately if you're if you're trying to get into the the Westminster levels? Well, you know, it it can be it can be a hundred thousand a year to campaign a dog. Okay, it can be wow, it can be really crazy. Yeah, it can be really crazy. Or what? you know, you have a budget. Generally, like with our clients, you know, we they gave us a budget like for the year. We, you know, we would have a, um, a flat dollar amount, and that would be advertising and handling expenses and all that kind of thing. Because, of course, there's traveling expenses involved, too. Sure. You know, as a handler, we might go to Montana. We might go to Colorado, California, North Carolina. You know, we um, certainly the AKC championship shows are in December. Those are in Florida. So there's a lot of traveling expenses involved, too. Uh, you know, in, in terms of... Uh when you say what, what what makes a good dog, you always hear when you watch the the, the dog shows uh, that it's to the breed standard. Is that something you just know because you've handled dogs for so long? What the breed standard is, even though I might think that my wire hair is just fabulous looking. Uh, I mean, I have no idea if he meets the breed standard or not. Right, and that's why, um, like I said, we're AKC judges now, and that's where the judges come into play a lot of times, is we, um, as judges, we really study the standards. We go to national specialty shows. We, we study under, we mentor under um, breeders that have been doing this for many, many years. We really attempt to know that standard inside and out, and really the nuances of every single breed um, inside and out. And then we judge the dogs and what we're what we're um, doing is really judging breeding stock going forward. So we're judging, we're telling these breeders and, and exhibitors, this dog is worthy to be bred, and, and we encourage you to breed this animal when we put that animal up. But really, it all comes down to the breeders. You know, it's, it's the breeders that make the decisions and that pick the, the, the best puppies out of the litter. It, it, the, the heart and soul of this truly is the breeders and all the work um, that they put into it and expense that they put into it. Uh, how, how about the disposition of the dog? I mean, does that count? Absolutely. And, you know, every, again, that is outlined in every standard. So a standard of a um, Rhodesian Ridgeback might say uh, aloof. They want them to be aloof. They're supposed to be aloof. They're not supposed to be a great family dog that kisses everybody that comes in the house, whereas a sporting dog, most of the sporting dogs are that way. There's a couple that aren't, like the Chesapeake and, and such, but... Like a, like a terrier or a Yorkshire terrier, a little Yorkie or a little mini poodle. Uh, you know, they're not, they all have absolutely what their temperaments are supposed to be like. Now, nobody, nobody is supposed to be aggressive by any means, um, but they, they have a range of super goobery friendly to, you know, maybe aloof and standoffish and, wow. and everybody, wow. you know, somewhere in there. So absolutely their temperament is very much so a piece of this. Right, but, but the temperament is is breed specific, which I didn't realize until I just heard this from you. Absolutely, and really, um, a lot of times it's group specific. So there's terrier, hound, working, sporting, non-sporting, uh, toy, and what did I miss? Herding, maybe. Um, so, so it can be very group specific too. Like the herding animals, obviously they're bred to herd, so they're gonna like if you go to take them on the walk, they're gonna be more behind you, like hurting you. Whereas you have a sporting <laughs> dog, they're they're bred to go out 
and hunt. And so they're going to be in front of you, probably yep. dragging you <laughs> to some extent, as you probably know. <laughs> um, so, yes, they're very, very different. We're terriers. They're very independent, you know, very um, stubborn. They want to do their own thing when they want to do it. And so it's very different than a sporting dog, which all they want to do is please you and make you happy. So very, very different. But as judges, that's what we're supposed to know is everything from the temperament to the structure of the animal, how their head is supposed to look, their feet, their tail, their structure, their their top line, how they're supposed to move, what their gait is supposed to look like, what their coat is supposed to look like and feel like. Um, so there's a, there's a lot that goes into evaluating a good dog. And, and how do you become a judge? Like, um, Yeah, it's, we, there's actually on, on tests that we take. Um, but again, just mentoring. There, there, mentoring, there are tests? Under. Yeah, there's a test. AKC actually gives tests <laughs> um, that we take. Um, but it's mostly just mentoring and just getting out there and, and talking to breeders about what what's important to them in their breed. And, and again, those standards, just really having a good grasp of those standards that, that, that each individual club, like, like I'm a member of the Brittany Club, um, I'm on the breed standard committee. So I encourage judges to read our breed standards specifically so they really get to know it. Then they'll be qualified to go out and judge what our dog is supposed to look like. Interesting. Um, do you have any, like if, if this is interesting to somebody that, that's listening out there, do you have any tips on what to do or maybe even maybe tips on what not to do or some problems that people can avoid or traps that people fall into as they m- maybe think about trying to get into this world? Because obviously it, it's a passion for people like you. It's also a profession for, for, for people like you. But, but are there things to avoid? Yeah, um, you know, really – if, if you go to find help, find a mentor in your breed, the breed that you're looking for, really the, the, the trap that people can fall into, again, is, is thinking that their dog that they, you know, that they bought, maybe not from the best breeder necessarily, is the best dog in the world. And we all think our dogs are the best dog in the world, and we should. That's what we're supposed to do. But as far as a show dog, it's, it's unreasonable for, for people to walk into maybe like a dog training class or a kennel club and say, hey... I love my dog. This is the best dog. Well, it may not be worthy enough to be a champion to, to follow that exact standard. So, so if you're really looking to get into this, the best thing is to find a good breeder to mentor under and, and to really get a good dog to go forward with because, um, you, you really want that, that nice dog, um, to be able to exhibit. And, and, and there's a chance that, because as breeders, you know, I sell my pup, as a breeder, I sell my puppies to show homes that are anxious to, to show theirs. But I also sell the, the more inferior puppies to what we just call pet homes, you know, just some good family homes that just love their dogs, um, and maybe hunt with them in my case. Um, but they wouldn't actually make the best show dogs necessarily. Right, but, so, they, but they, they could be just absolutely fabulous dogs for a family. Absolutely. Right, but, absolutely. but, but they just, maybe their, you know, heads a little small or heads too big or something like that. Exactly, but, but people, you know, some, a lot of times we'll walk into like a training class, and my husband and I taught for 20 years at Animal in Training Class. Sometimes we'll, they'll walk in there and, and, and um, go, you know, I want to finish this dog. This is my, I love this dog to death. You know, I want to finish this dog. And then we have to say, well, you know what? This dog probably wouldn't finish its championship, but let's find you a dog that we could finish its championship. Right. So right. that's kind of the biggest pitfall is just because you love it so much and it's, and it's a 
great perfect for you. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the best confirmation animal out there. So, um, so people need to be realistic about that. You know, just right. because it's the best pet doesn't mean it's the best structurally, and that it and, it, and that it could finish its championship. Because you know, there's there's a there's a select few that can finish their championship. And what do you mean by finish their championship? Um, so get their champion. So be a champion. Okay. Why well, should an, a, an, a, an AKC confirmation champion? Oh, okay. Well, I assume not that many dogs can do that, can they? Right. No, exactly. So, like, in a litter, if I have a litter of eight, I mean, maybe two or three have the possibility to finish their championship. Um, the others um, might be able to do it, but they might take more time or, um, you know, they might have some more obvious faults that wouldn't get them their championship as fast as the others. So, you know, just, and even though they're champions doesn't mean they're worthy to be bred either. So there's, there's a lot that goes into this. Okay. Um, Where should people so go? Would, Are there any resources you can point people to that they might be interested yeah, so, in? Yeah, so dog tra- there's dog training classes around the cities, certainly. Um, and I would call or go online and, and, you know, look some places up that are in your area and find a confirmation class. That's what you're interested in. Obedience and agility and, and rally. And there's a lot of other great um, competition-type sports with right. the dogs. But, but you and I right now are talking about confirmation. So that's if, if that's what they're interested that's what they need to inquire about is confirmation. Otherwise, joining kennel clubs. Like there's Land O'Lakes Kennel Club, which I'm a member of, and St. Croix Valley Kennel Club, which I'm a member of. Um, there's Minneapolis Kennel Club. There's several kennel clubs in the Twin Cities that, again, you you know, you would have resources for you to go and help you out with. There's also a Minnesota Purebred Dog Breeders Association, which is a great organization to get a purebred dog and to get help um, with showing and exhibiting. Okay. Well, this is really interesting. I mean, really fascinating stuff. And it is they said, you know, I think a lot of us just enjoy kind of maybe watching you know, the Westminster once a year or maybe watch some other dog shows and kind of you, you wonder about what goes into it. And, and you've certainly filled us in with a lot. It sounds pretty cool. Dawn, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm happy to. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Dawn Droll, she is the vice president for the American Brittany Club. That's the whole of the United States. She's the vice president for the American Brittany Club. Uh, that is really cool. I mean, that sounds, it sounds like it is a life though. I mean, that's what you're dedicated to. And I remember years ago when I worked, uh, my first job in, in Chicago, one of my bosses was, I think he showed Weimaraners and he was literally gone, just what Don was describing every weekend. There'd be another show and he'd pack up, you know, the kennels and go to the other show. And he was just always obsessing about, you know, the quality of his dogs and everything like that. I mean, it, it really was, that was what he did outside of outside of work. All right, folks, uh, we are overdue for a break. Um, still ahead in this hour, we're going to be talking about a proposal to sell Plan B contraceptives. Uh, that is sometimes known as the abortion pill uh, at vending machines at the University of Minnesota. It's being done in other universities, and there's a pretty compelling argument about why it's a good idea. We're here from a student at Minnesota University of Minnesota, and then also uh, we'll get a preview of. The one and only Eel Pout Festival. So keep it here. It is 728. Esme Murphy with you until 9 o'clock along with uh, our producer, Jonathan Lowe. It's kind of a mellow, mellow Saturday evening. Uh, Not uh, temperatures sort of mitigating. What was the term you used, Jonathan? Moderating, moderating, not not mitigating, moderating. I I, I really I, I like that moderating. 
Sounds soothing, I should say. Um, coming up in our next half hour, we're going to talk about having contraceptives in the vending machines at universities. It's something that's happening in Stanford. It's throughout the University of California system. Dartmouth College also has it. Uh, and there's a push by students at the U who say that Boynton Health Services is only open, uh, I think, until 4.30 in the afternoon. Obviously, a lot of students are up uh, late at night. Uh, they also are not open on weekdays and that if you need some emergency, emergency contraception, get on, on a student's terms. Uh, and then we're also going to be talking about the one and only International Eel Pout Festival. Uh, that is coming up February 21st to the 24th in the one and only dun, 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 Walker, Minnesota. <laughs> Did you know that, Jonathan? I can't say that I did. Okay, no. all right. I probably we, we've heard had it crews. Yeah, we, we've had crews go up and uh, do, do this story from the TV side, and they're an ugly animal. Yeah, they're eel pout ugly. doesn't sound very. It doesn't sound very very uh, fashionable. I guess you they're know, it's really, like a, really, really, an eel really eel that's ugly. pouting. Just, yes, and doesn't. then they have people that dress as eel pouts and they go swimming and. It's the Opal Festival. We're here all about it coming up. Can't you just wait? Folks, you got to keep it here. Only here. News Talk 830, the Eel Pout Festival coming up. It is 734 in the Twin Cities. There is a proposal uh, made by students at the University of Minnesota, the University of Minnesota Student Association, to have contraceptives, including the Plan B emergency contraceptive, the, the morning after pill it's known as, uh, in vending machines at the University of Minnesota. This is something that's already in place in, in other universities, including Stanford University, the University of California systems, the, all the colleges and universities there, and also at Dartmouth, probably it's a, in other places as well. We just don't know about it. Uh, Shravani Sedanini is the uh, U of M Student Association Health and Wellness Committee Director. And Shravani, I hope I, I've pronounced your name and didn't mess it up too badly. Oh, no, you did a pretty good job. Pretty good job. Okay. Is, is it Shravani, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I, I certainly appreciate it. Explain to me why um, the Student Association really feels this is important, especially when you consider the schedule of the Boynton Health Services that many University of Minnesota students use? Yeah, um, we had a lot of students that actually came up to us asking for this. Um, considering that Plan B is a time-sensitive medication, um, this is a great option because our health center is works typical office hours like any other kind of health center. And this is a great option on the weekends or at late hours when students would need the medication. And, and so it would be easier if it, right, it was right in the vending machines. And I believe, you know, I looked up the effectiveness rate of the morning after pill. Within 24 hours, it's something like 95%. But as you get into the 48 to the 72, it drops down to kind of 61%. Uh, and, you know, different, you know, studies have it ranked differently, but it definitely drops off significantly. Uh, is that something, I mean, since this has been out there, and I know that there was an article in the U of M Daily about it, what kind of response, what kind of feedback have you gotten? Um, um, it's been mainly positive feedback. One thing that it has been in discussion but was brought up um, afterwards, after the articles came out, is the fact that 
we're also we when we were talking to the gynecologists at Boynton and having discussions with them over there, they brought up the fact that Plan B is kind of the a specific version of an emergency contraception, and if you are overweight, you would need a different form, and it would be called Ella. Oh, and really? Okay. Yeah, so that's something that not a lot of people know about, and we were in discussions of it, but I think the way that um, we had been discussing it, because Plan B is something everyone knows and knows what exactly right, what it right. is. Um, th- but we, our goal is we are advocating to also have Ella in the vending machines, too, because um, this is definitely important if you're overweight or plus size. This is like otherwise, if you take Plan B, it's not going to be as effective at all. Oh, is it, it's, it's not. It's not that it would be harmful, but it might not be as effective. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's Ella is just far more effective. Right. Um, and, and so that's, and that's, that's one of the difficulties. And although it's, it's easier and easier to get medications, you know, this one is the time sensitivity of it is, is so critical. But that gets a little dicey there because you've got to figure out, somebody's got to figure out, well, am I, am I a plus size? Would I, would it be better to have Ella? I mean, you're not really using consulting a, a physician there. I mean, that, that gets a little tricky in my opinion. Yes. Um, the- it can be a little tricky. Our goal is to have a lot of education around it so that students are aware of which one to take. And considering that these are over-the-counter medications anyway. Um, oh, they all they all are over-the-counter? Um, as far as I know. Yeah, okay. I, I was not aware of that. So it's over-the-counter, then, then, then people are making those decisions on their own uh, right now. How about the university's reaction? Um, the university, um, as far as we know, is really um, fine with what we're doing right now. We have been working with Boynton, who's part of the university. Like, like I feel like there really won't be a lot of pushback from the university at this point. Yeah, they, they told me that, that it was sort of in the early stages and they didn't you know, have an opinion on it. But you are absolutely correct. It is uh, over the counter. I, I was not aware of that. So, I mean, that kind of negates the, the issue of people making decisions because people are making decisions for themselves anyway when they're going to the drugstore. Uh, yeah. What What about, um, I'm a little surprised that Boynton Health, which obviously I mean, the, the U of M is one of the biggest universities in the country, doesn't have sort of evening hours when, when I would think students are most likely to perhaps need help. Yeah, um, I bet it's probably just an issue with um, having the providers available to right. give provide services, and I think that's probably the bigger issue. It would change a lot of the infrastructure and in how Boynton runs as a health clinic if they were to change their hours. Um, and there, the other thing is we're right next to the University of Minnesota hospitals. If it really was an extreme situation. Um, it's like East Bank hospitals right on campus. Right. And and I know that there have been issues, you know, uh, with the, at the U. I mean, I, I guess one of the issues is that people don't want to walk a number of blocks or take a bus or a train to a 24-hour pharmacy. Yeah. And especially for – this is definitely going to be beneficial for first-year students because they live on campus and they're not always aware right away about all the places that they can go. Um, cause the main stores where you can get this are either in Dinkytown or Stadium Village, and that's a little bit farther away for students that live in dorms. And considering this is a time-sensitive medication, it's not always the first thing on your mind. Maybe this can have students have the emergency contraceptive ahead of hand. 
Um, and having a head of hand has not shown to increase sex. And it's definitely not something that you should be using as your main form of birth control anyway, because it's not as effective as a typical form of birth control that you would get a doctor's prescription for. Our guest, Shravani, is a uh, U of M student. She is also uh, the MSA, University of Minnesota Student Association Health and Wellness Committee Director. What is the next step? The next step has mainly been having conversations with the vendors um, who operate the vending machines, working with them to see if we could possibly just use existing slots in their vending machine and how that process would go. Um, at this point, the main discussions have like been thrown out there that possibly Bointed could provide all the medications, including the Tylenol and the Advil that would also go in the vending machines, and that the vendor would possibly go and get it from Boynton. But we're mainly in discussions with them and kind of figuring out how this logistically will work out. And if that doesn't work, then we have to deal with the logistics of getting a vending, a separate vending machine and placing it inside Kaufman. Right. And, and, and right now, currently, are there any vending machines that do provide over-the-counter health products of any kind, At like the Tylenol point, or the um, Advil? In my personal experience, I've not encountered anything okay. that is even close to like a medication. We do have a gopher store in like, pretty close to the bookstore that does have, I think, basic things, but not. I don't think we really have many vending machines Got across it. campus to have it. Right, and, and I assume that the, the, that store is not open 24-7 or probably has limited no. hours on weekends. They have anything. pretty limited hours, um, so that's definitely true because I've tried getting food there at later hours and it's not open. Right, so so that is important. Um, and, and I assume that, that for students living on campus too, there might be concern about sort of walking places you know, at night, sort of by yourself. I mean, there have been some issues of kids, you know, being students being um, there have been some problems with safety on campus. I know that or, yeah. or just off campus. Yeah. The, um, the campus does have a great um, thing called figure out the number, but it's like, a, it thinks it's like a safe walk on campus where you, um, you can call up a number right. and have someone walk with you. But I think a lot of things, resources on campus are underutilized. And I think having it in a vending machine, having it easily available, I hope will prompt students to have it in advance, which okay. would be an even better option than having to go out and get it. When Okay. You, well, yeah. Well, Shravani, again, and as I said, it is other schools have this. so And, and it's been very successful and popular. And as you mentioned, all these uh, items are, are now over the counter. So thank you so much for joining us and filling us in on this. Thank you. Okay. All right. Uh, an interesting discussion, interesting debate. Uh, and certainly more and more uh, medications are becoming over the counter. Why not put them in a vending machine where they could be accessed at any time? Uh, and I did call the University of Minnesota on this because I did look into this uh, on the TV side. And they uh, were basically saying they're looking at it as far as they're concerned is very preliminary. Obviously, the students are, I think, a little further ahead in terms of their investigation of this possibility. Well, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about something that kind of falls into the category of only in Minnesota, only in Minnesota, would you have something called the Eel Pout Festival. And we're going to be joined by the Eel Pout Festival organizer, Jared Olson. 
the Eopod Festival is every year in Walker, Minnesota. I have never been, but I do know people uh, that I work with at the TV side who have been to the Eopod Festival. They say it is there's nothing quite like it. And so we're going to have all the details for you. So keep it right here. News Talk 830. All right, some good eel palette music there, Jonathan. Appreciate that. Uh, 747 on News Talk 830. The Eel Pout Festival is in Walker, Minnesota, and it is coming up uh, in just a few days. And joining us right now is the festival organizer, Jared Olson. Uh, Jared, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, Esme. All right, now when is the Eel Pout Festival? Uh, we start Thursday, uh, this coming week, the 21st, and then we go through the 24th Sunday, uh, which is, you know, that last Sunday we just do the uh, prizes for the, the fishing tournament. Right. And how many people do you get for the Eel Pout Festival? It depends on the year. I mean, it, it, it really depends on the weather. Um, it can be, you know, minimum is going to be 5,000. Uh, you know, the top end is going to be nine to 10,000, just, just depending. That is a lot of people. I mean, I have been to Walker and the Leech Lake area. is It's a gorgeous area, but Walker's not a very big town. I mean, that's a lot of people. Yeah, we're, you know, we're pushing, you know, eight, eight, 801, you know, depending on the year and how many babies we have. But yeah, we're about <laughs> 800 people usually. So, yeah, we're a small town. Okay, let's, what is an eel pout, which is also, and I just was looking this up, it's also called a, a burbot? Yes, yeah, it's got it's got lots of names. Um, it, it's a part of the cod family of fish, and uh, the reason we have the tournament in February is because that's when they start coming into the shallows to spawn. Uh, typically, they you know they're in ninety, a hundred feet of water. Uh, they like really, really cold water with low oxygen uh, in the summer, and, and this time of year they'll come up and, and spawn into the twenty foot range, and that's when you can start catching them. Wow. Okay, and. They are an uglier fish, you have to admit. Yeah, it's it's a it's a I think it's beautiful, but yeah. Okay, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> okay it's, all right. It's perfect, you know, I always say it's a perfect mascot. I mean, if you've ever seen one or held one, um the I've tail seen... will it'll wrap around your arm. It's really slimy. Um it's alien looking. Um you know, but it, it's just, it's a perfect mascot. All right. And you said it's sort of a member of the cod family, and I, I've been looking it up, and you, it can, you can eat it. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, and, and what is it? Does it taste like cod or? Yeah, it's, it's. Um, or does it taste like chicken? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's not that good. No. <laughs> it's a, it's a white flaky meat um, that's really good. The back strap of the filet is very good. Uh, if you get down into the tail section or anything like that, it's a lot more fishy. Uh, but the back part of the meat is very good. Wow. Okay. And how 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 large are they? So they just did the a new state record up on Lake of the Woods, and it was pushing twenty five pounds. Wow. Um, you know, tip, typically for our tournament, anywhere from eleven to thirteen pounds will win it. Uh, but the the state record is 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 up to twenty five now. Wow. And so, if somebody wants to go check out the Eel Pout Festival, obviously they'll be fishing there. Uh, but yep. but what and it sounds like there's a tournament. But what are some of the other attractions that people can enjoy uh, at the Yopop Festival? Yeah, so we have uh, uh, dog sled rides taking place uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, there's pout curling. Uh, there's a human wax. Oh wait, 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 wait. <laughs> pout curling. Yeah, we do. Uh, we do our own version of curling with uh, frozen blocks with with pout frozen into them that slide across the ice. But instead of the uh, no. <laughs> Weepers, we use mops. 
you, it's, 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 you use mops instead of the yeah. um the brooms. Yeah, instead of the brooms, we use mops. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. Okay, and then you actually have yeah. frozen blocks of ice with eel pout in them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. It's not. Uh, it's not uh, up to normal uh, curling standards by any means, but it's something fun to do. Uh, and we have uh, uh, pout car uh, cart races where we're going to do two tracks, and uh, Enbridge is actually sponsoring this, and uh, we're going to race them down kind of a path with a jump. And, you know, uh, all the funds from that are going to go to charity. Uh, we have uh, our uh, local community center, which houses the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, so all funds from that will go to charity. Uh, Saturday afternoon, there's a kid's perch jerk. Uh, and the first 50 kids that come get free fishing rods. And then uh, for first and second and third place, there's a, a savings bond uh, that they can win. So that's that's one of my favorite events. It's really cute seeing the kids run up with a little little perch on the pole. <laughs> right. And and you do have this build as the International Eel Pout Festival. I, I, I presume that, that some of our friends from Canada probably come down for it. Absolutely, yeah. You know, uh, when I first started, it's this is going to be my eighth year. Uh, when I first started, I got a, uh, a you know a company credit card, and I called over to a gentleman in India, and he was on the line and was setting that up, and he and he said, you know, I've heard of this. I was like, you're kidding me. I'm like, where are you at? And he's like, India. <laughs> wow. I like, well, I guess we are international, right? Um, and you've got a beer pong tournament. Yep, beer pong tournament. Uh, that's that's. I think this is going to be our sixth year for that. So that's that's really taken off. Uh, Friday Saturday event. Right, and you've got a lot of people in terms of places to stay. Uh, there's a lot of camping. There yeah, campers so, up. Yeah, we all the hotels in town fill. Um, you know, any any VRBO anything like that fills up. But then also a lot of people. You know, with these new fish houses they have, ice castles and and uh, different things like that. They bring those up and actually stay out on the ice and fish and. Uh, join in on the festivities. All right. And is there, do you have to like register or can you just kind of come to Walker? Yeah. So, I mean, the, you can just come to Walker. I mean, the, the lake is a lake. Anybody can use it, right? I mean, you can fish, right. do whatever you'd like to do. Um, you know, we will have plow truck guys out there. If somebody wants to get to a specific location, uh, that'll be available. Right. I, and, and Leech Lake I, is an enormous lake. I just actually saw it. it's the third largest lake in, in the state of Minnesota. And it's certainly... One, it's just it's a beautiful area there, and um, obviously that you know people are, are familiar with it. I think in, in the summer for going up there and fishing, but it sounds like you got some pretty good fishing going on right now. Yeah, it's a you know it's a beautiful body of water. I'm, I'm biased, but it's my favorite. It's 110,000 acres, just super clean, clear lake, um, just great body of water. But yeah, the the walleye fishing's been phenomenal. Uh, the yield powder starting to move up now too. So just a great time to come up. We got a ton of snow. I, I couldn't you know, count so many. I was driving up from Minneapolis today and just snowmobilers were everywhere. Uh, most sm- snow I've ever seen since I've lived here in the last 15 years. Right. And that's, and you know, we were, we were talking about snow earlier. I mean, it, I, it's so great that, that we do have the snow for all the people who really love to get out there and snowmobile and cross country ski. Cause for so many seasons, it's been dicey. To say the least, especially for snowmobiling, uh, you also have live music, live entertainment. Yes, uh, every night we have live entertainment, both in the uh, out on the t- uh, tent in the lake, and then also inside uh, uh, all the bars in town. Also, we'll have live entertainment. I mean, it's not just the festival on the lake; it's also the town. I mean, the town has. Uh, I think we have another 10 different restaurants and bars throughout town that'll all have different events and music going on and everything's within walking distance, which is, which is great. So whether you're camping on the ice or you're staying in town, 
you can walk around, enjoy the festivities, and uh, you know, not get frostbite having to walk too far. And, and this looks like a party. I'm just looking at the first event on Saturday, the Bloody Mary slash Mimosa Power Hour. It's actually two hours, 10 a.m. to noon. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, the first event taken off Saturday. There, I mean, it's there's a little bit of something for everybody. I mean, I'll okay. tell you, there's, you know, we have the people that come and die hard and and, and do, uh, you know, the the fun festivities at night. We have the the families that come during the day. I mean, there's a little bit of something for everybody. Absolutely. Right. And what is Burbit University? So Burbit is another name for the eel pout, um, and Burbit University is something we started. Um, um, really good uh, uh, eel pout fishermen will be there. Uh, talking about different tips and tactics he uses to catch the fish. Because honestly, it's I've tried a lot. And, you know, we bring the fish down to the cities uh, for interviews. We did just run uh, uh, Care 11 today and CCO the day before. Uh, but it, it's a hard fish to catch, I mean, unless you know what you're doing. And so he'll be there to kind of talk about uh, different stuff he, he does and different uh, uh, um, baits and things he uses to help, uh, you know, you be more successful during the tournament. And one more question. Uh, the human whack-a-mole event? Yeah, so that's um, you, you, you'll have to look that one up. That's a it's a it's a a, a blow up that uh, you'll have a guy that stands in the center and he'll have a blow up hammer, and there's you know another eight holes around the the, the outside of this with oh. other people standing in these holes. Okay, <laughs> and so they they duck down and they'll they'll pop up, and if they if they pop up and don't get hit, they get a point. But if they pop up and get hit with a hammer, <laughs> the guy in the center gets a point. So you'll have you'll have to look it up, but okay. it is very common. It's very comical. Well, listen, it sounds like a, a great time, and I, I know we've had crews that go, have gone up there in the past. I know you were down here promoting it, but the Eel Pout Festival, uh, a great time in Walker, Minnesota. Uh, Jared Olson, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. appreciate it. And, I, and I've never eaten Eel Pout, but uh, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I don't think you'll find it at a restaurant, but uh, you know, next time you're up, you'll have to try it. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, you have a great night. Okay. It is one ugly fish. That's all I'm going to say. One ugly fish. All right, folks. Uh, Esme Murphy with you until 9 o'clock along with uh, producer Jonathan Lowe. Coming up in our next hour, I'll chat with Professor David Schultz about what is going on at the Minnesota legislature. And also, we will break down the rollout of Senator Amy Klobuchar's presidential campaign and how that stacks up against some of the other top-tier candidates that have better name recognition across the country than she does. You're listening to News Talk 830. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives. Streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 